guys, we are back. This is Crime Scene Analysis. I am Angie. I'm Jess. And I'm Caroline. And we finally have a new episode. Yay! <laughs> um, we are here for episode 208, Ouroboros. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> um, written by the incredibly talented pair of Nora and Lila Zuckerman, directed by Mr. Choked on air, Chris Gritzner. <laughs> How long was that? I think it was less than a minute. How to podcast for dummies. Okay. Sorry. There, there's so much. There's just so much. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. Like, I could talk an entire hour about Alan coming alone. Yes. But we must get to other things. We must get to other things. So we're going to mix it up. We're actually going to start with a mini deep dive. Caroline has some intel for us about the title of our show. Yeah, so the title of this episode is Ouroboros, which just happens to be the symbol on the shirt that I am wearing, and one of my favorite symbols ever. Um, it's a bit of a complicated symbol. It's been in a whole lot of things. It started off um, in ancient Egypt, made its way into alchemy, was sort of referenced in the Bible, kind of. Jess is like, oh, um, <laughs> the Leviathan. <laughs> supposedly I don't know this is Wikipedia um but there's a whole lot of different meanings that it has um I first learned about it from my favorite one of my favorite um horror movies of all time Annihilation by the great Alex Garland if anyone has ever seen that there's a whole lot of meanings behind it usually involving like eternity and how life constantly repeats itself. Obviously it's the snake eating its own tail. So it's kind of like everything, you know, what goes around comes around and comes back around again. I, in rewatching the episode and even while I was watching it the first time, I don't know if the show really gets the meaning of it quite exactly. Cause they're also referencing other things involving snakes like cutting off the head of the snake and the snake in its own tail and stuff which is like a military term for like you cut off the head of the snake you kill the rest of the army which Endicott's already dead I, I don't really know what they were going for we could go further into you know is this like time repeating itself oh so it's like Ainsley becoming Martin and you know Endicott was dead and now all of a sudden this stuff is coming back around again. I don't know. Regardless, I love this symbol. Hawksley tries to talk about it towards the end. I don't really know if he understands what it means, but that's his persona. <laughs> and you know what? I accept it. So that's that. He has a lot of like, I'm just going to talk and look amazing until I convince people that I know what I'm talking about. Exactly. I'm going to get you to believe that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> exactly. That's the, whole, that's the whole key. Yes. All right, so let's get into it. Um, so my first timestamp has to do with our kind of lone actual song song um, that shows up in the episode. And it's in French, so forgive me, okay? The song is called Ça plaît pour moi. Okay, and the 95% of it is in French, but I looked up the translation because that's how we roll, okay? Mm -hmm. um, it is by Plastic Bertrand, which is my new favorite band name of all time. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, by the way, shout out, I have my final child shirt on today. Mrs. Ackerman. Um, I'm going to call Tom Mr. Ackerman because, quite frankly, she's equally as talented. And yes, you know what? We're going to support her. So props to final child. We love you. Um, so the entire song, um, 
by Plastic Bertrand is primarily in French, like I said. It's, um, it's, I think this is really the first time that a regular song has been chosen strictly based on the music. The lyrics have nothing to do with anything else in this entire episode. It's all about like a night out and this crazy chick I met and things like that in French. But the, the actual melody is just too perfect for this scene when we're showing Simon and like his morning routine of like, you know, the manicure with the mimosa, this and that versus, you know, Malcolm crunching pills and doing pull-ups on the stairs and all that good stuff. So um, it was just, it's too upbeat and peppy to not love regardless of the lyrics itself. Um, and I did put, so I put side note for thirsty fans um yes we got to see some pull up tom it was enjoyable but i do want to give him a little bit of credit we already vented about this on our personal chat but like that's a very hard thing to do to do a slow pull up that is not easy okay like that takes a lot of control and to be doing the overhand versus the underhand is also another thing that takes a degree of difficulty and control so i mean perhaps you made the whole fandom thirsty but you earned it because you did a good job he's a gymnast <laughs> yes speaking of pills we chomp we have another mini deep dive we're not even 25 seconds in folks and we got two deep dives this is epic bringing it back yes we're coming back strong let's yeah. go now this is called this is adhd now this is just i <laughs> i am just so obsessed with figuring out what pills he's on i don't know if it's just me and my own personal connections to him and you know if you can't make your own serotonin store-bought is fine that brand of like we're okay with it yeah. i was spending so much time pausing every single second the screen trying to figure out what meds he's on and like looking up different medications based on the shapes of them like he has some square shaped pills that fall out and i was like looking up like square shaped psychiatric drugs because you can a lot of them are recognizable by that mm -hmm. um and eventually i caught one of them which I think we've already figured out that he's on um, Xanax or as mm. it's written on his um, bottle, Alprazolam, um, which is for panic disorder and anxiety, yada, yada, yada. The other thing is that he bites his pills. I wrote so many swears in here that I'm not allowed to say on this because we can't say swears yet. Like it made me, it made like the hairs on the back of my neck. Like I can't bite into ice cream because it freezes my teeth and it did that same visceral reaction i was like no i could not handle it yeah there's also like certain medications you should not break well yep that's what i focused on you should really especially in your mouth yeah <laughs> like, because especially if you know he's got multiple ones and a lot of psych meds are controlled release to be released you know reactive with your stomach at a certain point Precisely. oh my goodness um watching twitter go, go absolutely nuts over malcolm chewing his pills was the funniest thing after here's the, the thing though is that deliberate though like is that him going i don't want the slow release like i need i i would think so because that's what the majority of people who do yeah, that like that's i don't think it why. was just meant as a comedic moment i think it's like desperation of no like, chop, yeah. chop, chop, let's go that's yeah. exactly how i interpret it to mean is like i you know i can't wait for this to kick in like this is something that i have struggled with with my own medicine like not chewing my own like my ADHD <laughs> pills because it takes like 90 minutes to kick in so i'm like oh they're so badly but they're also capsules so i can't do that but like he's totally doing it to get the effect 
instantaneously, but it's also one, most of the time, not good for your stomach. And two, you can like, you can die if you chew on your pills that you're not supposed to. Or your mouth. Like you can cause like chemical issues in your mouth. Like you can, yeah. You can really bloodstream very quickly if you brush them in your mouth. Yeah. This is why people like when they do things like cocaine and stuff, they break it apart and then snort it to get it, you know, quicker into your bloodstream. So Please He's don't be like di- snorting his pills. Yes, no, Let's that's exactly. A a <laughs> Let's just call a spade a spade. He's like, yep. he basically just did that. <laughs> yeah, no, he literally. That's exactly what he did. So, PSA: Please don't be like Danger Boy here. Please check <laughs> with your doctor before you crush or bite or do anything with your pills. Please. Yes, please. <laughs> good call. Very good call. Um, I do want to put a disclaimer out. I apologize. I hope it does not pick up on my mic, but I'm going to have cop drops in my mouth for like the entirety of this episode. I've got an issue with my throat and I'm trying not to hack up a lung on the camera. So Sounds I apologize great. if you hear this constantly, I will do my best to try to not have to deal with that. And I'm going to try uh, not to comment on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do the best I can because otherwise I'm going to start squeaking like I did at school today and that would be humorous, however horrible for the audio. So. Um, okay, so the next timestamp is 159, to which I just put, why do we give Martin so much access to pointy things? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> why? Now, like, I understand completely from the perspective of the Dr. Capshaw, like, someone's bleeding out. I don't have time to walk away from them for a second to see what just fell onto the floor. But I also feel like you had two orderlies right there, and then Mr. David immediately takes Martin back. Like, you didn't see the stuff on the floor. You didn't think, now's a good time. Like, I worked in a prison. Now's a good time to take count of the instruments and see if someone took something. Like that's mm-hmm. the first thing you would do. I know that doesn't work for the plot, but Martin has a lot of access to contraband just chilling in his room. Mm-hmm. We're just not checking on it. Like it's cool. Don't worry about it. Just turn away, Mr. David. Mm-hmm. At um, 2.46, I talked about our kind of opener um, with Simon. And I talked about specifically we had a little bit of like a we've been on hiatus info dump there on the phone with Malcolm and Jess. They deliberately do this thing where it's like, let's deliberately talk about stuff that's previously happened on the phone so that anyone who's forgotten in seven weeks might need a reminder. Um, So it was definitely one of the, just like later, I'll talk about that too when we get to Malcolm doing the cooking show. Um, It's a situation where the dialogue literally serves no purpose for a fan that obsessively obsessively watches it like we do like we know what's happened (laughs) it serves for the casual or the new viewer who might not remember everything that has occurred um and you know the the hiatus was long things happen people forget Mm -hmm. things yep i adored simon's intro being blowing this horn and scaring the bejesus out of the entire (laughs) team this is my favorite like humorous part of the entire episode i cannot with the boat horn it's just it's perfect it sets the tone for how absolutely extra not only alan the actor himself is but the character the thing is they could not have better cast a role for this like i mean alan cumming is just everything he gives zero f's like he's gonna be how he's gonna be i love him for that fact um, he's like old school Broadway, like I'm here, like that's what he's going to do. And I just, that intro was funny. We knew from the end of the last episode going into hiatus that he was extra, like for sure. Like with the ascot and the interpool and just the I'm important, you know, 
Um, and then he comes straight in, starts like profiling everybody to, to deliberately tell them, I know all your names. I know what you do. I know what you like. He's basically flexing in the most like extra way possible. Um, I absolutely adore. And again, the, the entire internet went crazy. Danny's like, no, thank you. <laughs> it Don't was, mess. And then of course, so Malcolm's like, that's right. Fates <laughs> right afterwards. It was so necessary. Like, yes, let's, let's honor women's autonomy and be like, no, thank you. I do not want you to kiss my hand. You absolutely. <laughs> and I love the juxtaposition of JT was drinking the Kool-Aid immediately. Like, yeah. oh, he called me smart. I bought his book. Yeah, that's right. I am the guy that's underused on this team. And Danny just went, nah, bitch. Like, <laughs> and just pulled her hand back immediately. She's like, you don't impress me. Yeah. Like, no, we should be playing Satan. some Shania Twain. Like, that yeah. don't impress me. And I me. feel like JT is one of the people who usually is like, no. Yeah. Very true. He's usually mm -hmm. skeptical. So for him to immediately, like, I have your book. Like, <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, yeah, definitely fangirling over, uh, over Simon. Mm -hmm. um, and in this part where he's kind of seriously dropping hints, okay, I'm sorry, but he is spewing like hardcore hints. I don't know how our NY team misses all the shade he's throwing at Malcolm. Yeah. Like, they're not that dumb. And Malcolm's resulting face. Like, like if Malcolm's here, he he's like Endicott's dead body. I mean, like just yeah. throwing these phrases and glaring at him all the time. Yeah. Like, listen. But we also get a Simon Huxley theme beginning in this scene, which is awesome. It's got like this weird kind of blend of playful and mysterious, which fits him really well. Yeah. It's like there's a thing when you're when you're writing music where a lot of times like major chords are usually like happy, upbeat, bubbly. And then the minor chords, which if you're looking on a piano are like the black keys on top, the majors are the whites and the piano is the minor. The black is the minor. Um, the minor stuff is usually like something really negative or heartbreaking or creepy, ominous, whatever. So it's it was nice to have like a blend of this really upbeat, peppy sound. But then at the same time, you still have those effects that we like to use in our songs a lot um, that give you the like something's off vibe. Um, and then this, of course, blows up a little bit more um, in a moment. But it was because I was deliberately waiting after I had had that discussion about like what's Capshaw's theme going to be and what's and so I'm like what did you do what did you do I'm dying to hear what what Bloom has done and so we learn that he is an agent of Interpol is it an agent I'm assuming it's agent is that the term he for Interpol agent so. of Europol is, oh, inter, oh yeah I said Interpol yeah no it's Europol <laughs> duh um, but yeah I'm assuming it's agent it's not like some other Scotland Yardy description yeah. right like yeah, I feel like I should Google this now, but I'm frankly just too lazy to do it. I'll let Jess talk about <laughs> Europol instead. Go ahead, Jess. <laughs> so the very first time that we see Simon in the previous episode before our very, very long hiatus, uh, we learn that he has something to do with what's called Europol, and he's still over in Estonia at that point. And uh, when I heard this, I was kind of like, so I watched like a lot of crime shows if you haven't figured that out if you haven't listened to all of our previous episodes yes i watch a lot of crime shows so i've heard interpol a ton uh in in various episodes and i thought this was just their play on interpol so i was like you know what? i'm gonna give it a goog real quick and <laughs> yeah, i had to and uh 
Yeah, they're actually two real organizations and two completely separate entities. So Europol operates comp uh, entirely within the EU, the European Union, and takes care of, you know, cross-border crimes and investigations there. And then if a crime happens there and it's attached to something elsewhere, they may go elsewhere. Yeah. Question. Yeah. Would not Brexit affect the fact that there would be a British Europol agent? or that he would be working within the realm of, he's claiming to be Brit. Mm, that's true. I mean, he may not, he may just be like British, but like- And still know, working for you. I'm just saying, but like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about European politics. If Neither we, do you I. know, like that is so eight people that we know, know stuff so about that, please let us know. Yeah. I'm just so, curious, yeah, so, go ahead. So that's fine. So we have, so yeah, so we have Europol, which is real. It's uh pertains just to the EU. And then we have Interpol, which is a global organization, and they do a lot more like broader stuff and essentially just aid in making law enforcement agencies able to improve what they do. Uh, so it's, you know, not just contained within the US, it's, it's a global organization to cross borders with each other. So yeah, so that's real thing. Yeah, the more you real thing. I really <laughs> thought it was just a play on Interpol, and nope, they're two completely different things, and they're both completely real. So I'm sure that's something that like the European and like outside the U.S. viewers are just looking like, yeah, <laughs> but like we don't <laughs> yeah, get that a lot in the U.S. Yeah. It's always FBI, CIA, raw yeah. America. Like that's mm -hmm. what we get all the time in the U.S. Well, so it's very yeah. rare. Mm -hmm. Like I knew more about like MI6 because of some of the shows I've watched. But yeah, like I don't have a lot of personal knowledge on like Interpol or Europol or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that this applies to the entirety of the episode, but it's really the first time it happens. Alan Cummings' eyebrows should have got a separate billing. They yeah. are so They are a secondary fabulous. character. Yep. <laughs> Constantly, hello, Whitney's and yes. all of this. It's amazing. I love it. And the way that he, this might just be like a speech nerd thing for me, but the way that he rounds his lips sometimes when he finishes things, like I can't think of an example, but he goes like <laughs> the end of some, it's beautiful for me as someone who pays attention to that. I just, it's so I much. if some of that comes from the Broadway background. Probably. Because totally. like, they will specifically tell people in a chorus, like you're going to finish this with a rounded mouth and you're going to finish it with a wide mouth. So it blends the sound. Yeah, it's a like there it could was a be that on a background Hamilton about that about how they pick and chose who was going to end things with certain sounds. It purpose. could definitely be that. Yeah, but there's also just the way that you shape your when you shape your mm -hmm. lips. Your lips are a part of your what we call your vocal tract. Like everything, it's a it's a big tube with different things that modify the sound. And who knows? It could be a whole lot of things. And. I also love how it just plays into his personality and he yes. puts a little more intention and meaning when he, you know, does certain things with his lips and his eyebrows and it's wonderful. <laughs> he's, he's like we said, I mean, he's extra from head to toe. Like yes. everything about him, his eyebrows work over time, everything. Yep. Um, I also want to shout out the Zuckerman gals for every piece of dialogue out of that man's mouth. Yeah. Everything he said <laughs> is golden. Like it is amazing like the aim lower Whitley and then the I don't even know if this was scripted or if it was just Alan like the ha like <laughs> I don't know who's responsible for that whether it was him or them but it's just it's glorious there's no yes. other way to put it mm -hmm. 
Speaking of the Zuckerman's that night, I saw a tweet um, and I mentioned it to Caroline. And mm-hmm. I know exactly where you're going. That. <laughs> uh, Nora tweeted, I don't have the actual full tweet in front of me at the moment. Oh, Nora tweeted regarding uh, Simon, almost called him Alan. Yep. <laughs> Simon's uh, <laughs> moniker of being the mind sleuth and mm-hmm. that it was a playoff of what, Caroline? Of Well, I have the tweet in front of me. <laughs> so... Nora Zuckerman said, I don't remember who came up with the nickname and then mentions at Wyatt Kane or at Lila Zuckerman. Was it you? Mind Sleuth, like who came up with the nickname Mind Sleuth, but the writer's room was like, what's the douchey version of Mind Hunter, aka my favorite show ever? And it's stuck. And I just, I love that. I also love how the name, like Mind Sleuth, it makes him sound very sort of like weaselly and, you know, very sort of like tricky. And if you think about it, like, I don't know if mongooses are weasels, but mongooses kill snakes. So oh, look at that symbolism. <laughs> so right after that scene, um, we have Hoxley going down and being kind of interviewed. Of course, he's got to be in front of the cameras at some point, right? Um, and my favorite part of this entire scene is not that he's talking directly to the killer he never catches. Um, but it's the fact that this is the first time that I know of, don't at me, Nathaniel Bloom, um, that we have three themes blend in one song. Mm-hmm. So we have the Hoxley theme as he's like being all, you know, peacocky and, and whatever. And then when Ainsley's trying to ask, like, is there a suspect? You get her little techno thing that popped up earlier. And then it eventually weaves into that version of the we're the same theme when Malcolm and her do the, like, we're in some trouble eyeballs. And it's just a cocktail of awesome, honestly. That's just the best way to put it. Um, And I'm almost positive. Like, I'm 99.9% positive. It's the first time we've had three different themes weave because we haven't had more than one theme before, really. So um, I, I definitely like had a geek out, rewatch the 20 seconds over and over way too many times to be considered normal, but I'm not normal. So it's okay. I heard the Ainsley theme in there. And I did too. I, I, and I thought of you. I was like, my God. So I could hear the Ainsley theme, but I knew it wasn't entirely Ainsley's theme. So I was like, I can't wait to see what Angie says about this. I gotta be honest. I was a little proud at the tweet. I was like, oh, she caught it. <laughs> because I, I knew you weren't in discord so i was like oh proof proof that i heard it you're teaching me yes things. yes <laughs> um at 7 14 we finally get some long awaited details on what happened with endicott's body now i want to immediately start off by saying i'm kind of team our idea I prefer flat rate box vj in estonia <laughs> just saying like dhl i feel like I'm just saying, we had an opportunity, writers. I don't know. You do you. It's fine. Um, But we do find out that Malcolm kind of cleverly used Endicott's own game to to take him out. And I'll be honest, like, I I was really unsure if we were even going to get those details at Mm. all, or if it was just going to be mysterious and in the background or whatever. So I kind of like it. I I do like it feels like full circle and well wrapped and like okay it's not some random cheat code to get Mm -hmm. out of our situation yes Mm -hmm. um so i'm okay like i'm I'm happy with that explanation even though it doesn't involve the j but whatever it's fine (laughs) or dhl or or a flat rate box (laughs) stuff within the cots pieces whatever it's fine but we do get to meet um the guest star that night who was kaden 
Kearney, I think is how you pronounce their last name, um, who I saw Lou tweeted about them saying that this might have been their first breakout role. And I ended up totally deep diving into them and being like, oh, who is this person? Um, they're a trans non-binary actor. Um, they are a recent graduate of UC Irvine. This is, they've been in theater. They have a theater background just like Alan Cumming does. And I'm just like so happy for them. Like, yay. They did a great job. I mean, like, yeah. I'll go into that later, but like the, the moment where the switch flips, I just went, Ooh, like I'll, I'll go later. I don't have yeah, to. Yes. I yes. saw someone comment <laughs> on Lou's tweet about that. They were like, this is their first, like, on-screen role like what yeah i mean well played absolutely yes. well played they did a and damn good job many, many more to come yes many, yes. many more to come and also side note loved the hair i know that's yeah. such a minute and shallow thing <laughs> but the hair was awesome very mm -hmm. much enjoyed it. at 9 55 i just wrote this must have been the the gill scene um him uh, alan and gill but i just said my new ship is alan coming and everyone <laughs> and that's all I said so it must have been that scene that fits about right yeah. um I love that I'll talk about this a little bit later too I was hoping that this was going to be a more than one episode stint for him so that is one little bitty like depressive thing for me mm -hmm. I was like oh man we did this all in 40 minutes yeah. but I love that they literally passed him around like every character with the exception of Adresa who wasn't in the episode yeah. mm -hmm. um, and got him like some one-on-one -on -one sparring time yep. with everyone because he's just so amazing. You have to put him with everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, everybody like just met that energy and exceeded that energy. And I mean, the, the scene with him and Lou was amazing. The scene with him and Bellamy, Bellamy is amazing. The absolute throwdown profiler pissing match. It, it was amazing in the loft um and it's just i just wish we had more that's all i wish we had more of him and i saw one of the writers tweet i believe it was nora she was the one i saw i see tweet the most uh she said that we plan to have him do the one-on-one -on -one interrogation style with every single main character yes but they didn't get you know only in for one episode they didn't carry this arc this portion of the arc out yeah. too long so they didn't get the full-on interrogation with every single main character but he does in some way maybe those deleted scenes could be on a dvd special feature oh, i love it we'll pay for things if we want them and with like some bloopers man yeah. yeah. on a patreon and we could get some stuff yeah. <laughs> i literally i would join and pay for that like yes. you tell yes. me my portion of the bill and i will pay for yeah. the bloopers so, yeah. yeah i'm finding out people will pay for anything on patreon on my on the patreon i'm on for a band we're all like begging them to release the album early and we'll pay for it mm -hmm. <laughs> going back to like the days where i used to buy dvds of things there's a habit of like the first season not having anything because they don't know if it's relevant yet. Like, mm -hmm. are we even getting picked up again? Like Fair. if you watch sitcoms, hour long shows, like the available special features for season one are nothing compared to what happens extra. I don't know if COVID will affect that in terms of like doing behind the scenes footage and watching them film because only certain people can be in places. But I feel like we could at least get some deleted scenes and bloopers out of it. Like oh, that stuff's on yeah. film. Y'all oh, yeah. can handle that. Plenty of that. Yeah. Um, shout out to the below deck reference from Danny. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I, I've actually, <laughs> I do not watch reality, but 
a lot of my family members do and i've actually oh seen episodes of this so i was like oh hey okay okay cool. i do and when danny started spewing off information back right before alan popped in or sorry before simon popped in mm-hmm. she was making she was talking about like you know the bosun and the the chief stew and stuff and my yeah. head immediately went to below deck i don't watch it as religiously as i did last year but it's a show i watch with my cousins almost weekly and so the fact that there was she was just like what i watched a lot of below deck and i was like i knew it i knew yeah. it no i had a i had a patient how else would she know this information she exactly from like an upscale hamptons family that would be sailing or yeah. doing anything else so the only logical explanation is it's a reality show yeah i know i had a patient who watched it and that was i dislike reality tv with a (laughs) burning passion but that was just like the only way i could build rapport with them was saying this show is ridiculous and being like i know right Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i just love that i love that we get a little more of danny's personality and stuff there with like okay she watches reality tv sure can you show me your apartment or where you you know where you dwell backstory can we get more backstory (laughs) (laughs) coming soon darn it (laughs) <laughs> at um at 12 34 we have the phone call between malcolm and martin and i really appreciated michael sheen's like Dah! hands there's this moment where malcolm's being like all chivalrous where he said well if she just died it, you would clean up your problem no big deal and he's like she doesn't deserve to die and he just goes yeah you're right of course like just the way i loved it i don't know why but i laughed so hard at the like like he was so angry he's like visible and audible defeat in martin and that's so like michael like i sincerely doubt that was written into the script that's him as martin going this kid like he's so angry that his son's like chivalry that like my daughter wouldn't feel the same way about this. <laughs> yeah, like if this was Ainsley, she'd stabbed him already. For God's sake! Like, <laughs> yeah. um, I had titled this section, this whole section of my notes. Martin Whitley is back on his bullshit. <laughs> Fair. I loved the Brit joke. I can't help it. Like the fact that it's a triangle of Brits slash Scottish. We are talking about in this scene. Like they're self-deprecating everyone involved in this conversation. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's what i wrote i was like says the brit to the brit about the brit like there's just a hundred different people involved and they're all just going yeah those british guys what are you gonna do and we also get the first of multiple i'm kicking myself for not tallying them up slash writing every single one of them down but multiple crackpot names that um martin comes up with for simon (laughs) so the first one we get is euro trash (laughs) oh yeah I missed that one. I have my list for the other stuff later. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think more. about Euro trash. Yeah, it was right before he said perfect teeth for a Brit. He was like, so what's with this Euro trash investigator or <laughs> something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah, his I insult have, game was on point. I have my very much so. <laughs> and I also love that now, I don't think he had before, but he's openly talking about escape to Malcolm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now it's all in like, oh, how about I just escape? Blah, blah, blah. But like he, later on, Malcolm's going to be like, this bastard told me. Like what was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he straight yeah. up told me that he was going to do this and I didn't mm-hmm. do it. Which leads us into our fishing, packing plant fish. I don't know what the term for that would be. Um, and I did like a little, a very, like a couple bullet point, mini deep dive. The fact that Malcolm 
has issue with certain things, but not with cutting off people's body parts whatsoever. Especially hands. There, there is like, so at this point, we've chopped off someone's hand mm-hmm. in the name. But now granted it worked. I'm not, I'm not being gripey. Like it's what had to happen. <laughs> but he had like no hesitation. Like let's Paul Bunyan this sucker. Let's go. And he did that. He straight up chopped his thumb, like all in the name of the cause. He's completely hacked up Endicott's body. Like he's very comfortable doing some things that are making me very, very nervous at this point. Because what I could see our writers doing is, yeah, they did the whole like, ooh, it was really Ainsley sleight of hand at the end of the first season. And this whole second season, ooh, Ainsley's crazy. No, 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 really, it's Malcolm. And he does something psychotic by the end of like the second arc because we all expect it to be Ainsley right now. So they're doing the like Ainsley, 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 and then this thing's coming up behind you and you have no idea before it's that. Sorry, I'm good. I just expect something like that maybe (laughs) to occur. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty scared for whatever the hell. I'll be honest, my whole game is thrown off because I thought for sure Simon was going to be longer, that the whole second arc was going to be them escaping this charge and getting rid of or whatever happens to Simon. So the fact that we finished this in 40 minutes and still have five freaking episodes to go, I'm like, what are we doing? And now we've seen the escape is a major part, but two or three episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought at least two. And then maybe they're going to kill him because he's getting too close or something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm nervous and I like it. Like it's the good kind of, I don't have a plan and I don't know what's happening, but we're going to roll and see what happens. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of the last season of Game of Thrones where they did something that the whole show had been building up to and it ended halfway through the last season. And I remember finishing that episode and thinking, well, what's going to happen next? But these are not the same writers. These are hopefully, you yeah, know. As long as in- it doesn't go all the way, the way the Game of Thrones. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I have much more faith in these people than I did in D and D. So yeah. there you go. Hopefully, uh, you know Malcolm doesn't just burn everything to the ground. Exactly. This is me trash talking them the right way. Hey, we're not. Our the writers first, are much please. better. We yeah, are no, we are definitely first. not. <laughs> no. Um, getting back to the fishing plant, it really broke my heart to watch Malcolm run from the team. Yes. <laughs> these are your people don't do it drop the finger and run <laughs> no, i mean it was such a minor thing but just to watch him hear the voices of the people that he normally are is comforted by mm-hmm. and then be like and run i was like oh don't do that yeah the whole scene afterwards with um with simon like it's our first taste of them really verbally sparring Malcolm didn't really hit back quite as much on the boat the first time. He was just in shock of, oh my God, this is way worse than I ever imagined it was going to be. And now he's kind of trying to like spit back. I love the joke of like, oh, well, the killer would have taken the whole head if it was a modern cell phone. And he's like, yes, thank God we did not have to do that. Because <laughs> I could just see him going, hack, hack. Great. Um, he's just, our boy is in deep. My God. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. the team is missing neon flashing signs yes yeah like simon is staring him down like it's almost as if it was planted this way and glaring like 
are they just all going, wow, what else is going on in this guy? Oh, look, fish. Like, are they just not paying attention yeah. to anything at this point? Yeah, like Gil, who is normally so tuned into Malcolm, not noticing. Danny, who is also now very tuned into Malcolm. My God, even really? JT at this point would have been clued in enough to be like, looks like something's going on here. Yeah, especially out. <laughs> yeah, especially considering how much he seems to like idolize Simon. I would think that JT would be like, "Oh, I love this guy, and I love everything he says." What is he saying about Malcolm? Like, I don't know. He's also getting very bad at lying. Yeah, you talk about Mal. Yeah, oh yeah. Very like bad. his like, oh, there was a cab and some water, and it's like, why is it just your hand and no other part of your body? Exactly. Like I would have said, oh, I as I was running in, my hand scraped along the edge of like something, and that's why it's wet. Or just not like the whole cab and pothole and whatever story. Like really, or anything. Like honestly, he could have been like dropped my phone in water, had to grab it. Like that's literally what happened. Like sure. it makes more yeah. sense to go that way. Exactly. Cause isn't your pocket wet now that the thumb that you cut off is in there? Like, right. She yeah, has the breast pocket. Maybe it's tucked yeah. away in the lapel. We don't know. <laughs> Replace my handkerchief. Just, you know, stick <laughs> yeah. that in there. What is that? Oh, don't, yeah. don't worry about it. It's fine. It's a nail. <laughs> All right, which leads us to our first kind of very sincere moment between Mr. Martin and Miss Dr. Capshaw. I'm just gonna leave that to y'all. I'm just gonna step back. Go ahead. Yeah. Kill it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, this whole scene was just really tough for me in general because everything that has ha been happening with me personally at work and losing people. So that was, I could not get through any rewatchings of this without tears in my eyes. To ignore all that. Um, I know that Martin could potentially be manipulating her when he's trying to like level with her and be sincere towards her. And I mean, Capshaw even points that out to him later, like after he's done speaking. Um, but this also reminded me of um, part of a book that I've been rereading that I read a long time ago called um, Hidden in Plain Sight, Confessions of a Sociopath. Uh, by an anonymous person who's writing under a pen name because obviously um, they've done some very, very questionably moral shit. Um, but she at one point discusses like morality um, as Dr. Capshaw had pointed out, like you killed 23 people and you feel bad about losing your patients. So this author talks about like how people normally associate sociopaths with having this lack of remorse mm -hmm. and then goes on to point out that there's as she says there's probably no universal or objective concept of morality and that morality is as she says like it's elastic and it's you know changeable and that makes me think of things like you know people talk this and that about the death penalty but if you ask someone did the nazis deserve to die then you'd be like hmm. and we see that even with you know the rest of the Whitley family, you know, Ainsley seemed to be okay with thinking that Malcolm killed Endicott and now was suddenly sort of okay with the fact that she killed him and Jessica and Malcolm turned in Martin for killing 23 people but are okay with her killing mm. Endicott and it's just, it goes to show like this is really difficult and, you know, I see that you know, Martin's mindset is also very difficult to understand. But at the same time, you killed 23 people, Martin, and you are toilet scum. And I'm gonna leave it at that. Like, it doesn't matter how charming Michael is. 
the basis of this whole thing is what he's done. And yeah, people can be hot and be killers and they can be charming and be killers and they can be, you know, the attractive older salt and pepper guy. But that doesn't change the fact that he is indeed what? A killer. Yeah. So this is the first like emotional scene we really get between the two of them. And I I watched this multiple times just to watch everything that was going on. And they make it look like she's being vulnerable and she's going to start to fall for that classic charm that we've seen from Martin so many times. And she, you know, it's quiet. She says, or sorry, Martin says, I'm sorry, which is, you know, at what Caroline said, it piqued her interest. And she went into this whole dichotomy between a surgeon and the surgeon and things like that. So this was just, this was such an awesome scene to, to watch. And like you said, uh, he is a killer. He killed 23 people. Capshaw's words were complete disregard for human life. And so I enjoy the fact that the show lets us see this real, like, you know, what mimics real life serial killers. Mm -hmm. The charm and the charisma that pulls people in and makes people be vulnerable to them, which we call grooming. And mm -hmm. then at the same time, they hit us with the fact that, hey, by the way, he still killed people and he's human and he's infallible, but he's still pretty shitty. So. Right. I really like that they've brought in another doctor. Yes. Because it's true. Like at the end of the day, he absolutely knows what that feels like. He yeah. knows what yeah. it's like to lose someone on the table or to yeah. have to deliver that news to a family member. And I'm sure a part of him felt that like horrible doctor remorse in that mm -hmm. moment where like that. I don't know that he's like completely, he's not on the sociopath scale for me. Psychopath maybe. But I really think he has the capacity to feel and to be empathetic. I just think he ignores the shit out of it all yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah, no, something in this book that they talk about is, or that she at least claims is like, sociopaths have emotions and they have like a moral code. It's just not what we as society thinks fits our standards. Yeah. So, you know, take with that what you will. Yeah, right. And, and I, I had written that like there are people that are capable of compassion and remorse and there are people that are pretty much not capable of it um like Pop Ainsley. if you know anything about Israel Keys like that's the complete opposite end of Martin but I think to a certain point Martin may have the ability to be compassionate but it's some of it's learned not necessarily innate and it's used to his benefit. Yeah. Oh, how yeah. to make it work for him. Yeah. So right. Like I, he knows this is the time where I should say, oh, my apologies. Not so much that inner Jiminy Cricket going, hey, you should feel bad. It's, oh, this is the right moment to say this to get what I want. Yeah. Yeah. So like Agreed. I said, I really enjoy that the, the fact that the show reminds us mm -hmm. of who Martin is. Yep. Agreed. In between all those moments that we see him having the upper hand and charming people. And yeah. so she says, how can you separate the two? And he was like, perhaps it's my particular <laughs> brand of madness. And I wrote playing God. And that is one of the things that is a phrase that Michael himself used in an early season one interview to describe Martin and how he just how he he sees playing Martin. And yeah, he had the ability to play God. He 
she she said you took human lives and he was like not on the table like I didn't do any of that I saved people so he that is what drives him is that I can choose when people live or die yeah well and everything that happened on that table was about him being the best yes that was his like need to be like the god complex of like no one's a better surgeon than me no one's a better like i'll be darned if i'm gonna lose somebody on this that's that it really is completely separate from that other life other than the fact that that profession gave him the knowledge to do some of the things that he did Mm -hmm. as a killer but i completely i don't ever think martin stepped up to an operating table and went oh maybe this guy like no that was too much of a pride thing yes to be like "Uh uh-uh like not blemishing my record thanks very much and the fact that he has a surgical technique named after himself. Right. Yeah. All that pride written all over it. Yeah, it's pride. Good it's deal. narcissism too. Yes, yes. Yep. So we get to see that shining through in this scene. So, mm-hmm. and then, so the end of that scene, we get some more vulnerability, but then we start to get things shifting a little bit. And I just, once again, love this scene. I love the nuances of it and how they play the whole thing through. It starts with us seeing Capshaw. Is she getting dragged into this charismatic, compassionate trap that Martin is setting? And then we start to see it turn that she's setting the trap for Martin. And I got really giddy and spent so much time <laughs> laughing at this and his reaction. And, you know, there's all this emotional language and whatnot. You're better than this place. How'd you end up here? And she waits for a second and then she said, they told me you would do this and you see martin start to crumble a little bit yeah he thought uh, he was in, in control i was like i was like oh i was like you do it you get him so <laughs> yeah so it was it was you know you start to see off wondering who's gonna fall into whose trap so i like this tension of who's setting the trap and who's gonna fall for it and where do we end up at the end of the scene so and what and, an amazing scene to have for those actors yes, too like yes. these are not you know newbies these are like seasoned veterans one of them is an oscar winner like Mm -hmm. for them to have that like they just brought so many nuances that are just tiny little things that make a big difference in that scene yeah so that's really awesome and i like that they did that because he always has ends up with the upper hand especially when it comes to malcolm so it's about damn time that someone else has the upper hand on him and well, that's the problem. He's thinking with his pants instead of with yes! his brain, and it threw <laughs> off his typical game. Uh, yep. My next thing in ginormous letters at 2051 was Jessica, what the F, shut your freaking pie hole. Me too. Me too. <laughs> yes. So, see, this, this is what? really, I, I thought this was one of my favorite Jessica scenes. So, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it. Like, the thing is, is I, the scene as a whole is amazing but Jess is a little bit I see a little bit of myself in the fact that she likes to get like the snarky oh so this is what I probably did and like go off and I do that sarcastic jackal stuff all the time and that's what she did and the problem is is that she gets into it and then she spits a bunch of crap that could have if this was a longer arc like it clicks with Huxley like oh my god this this could have been the scene of the crime and I'm like oh yeah very true yeah. That's literally in caps what I have written at the very top of my notes right yeah. here. Just stop talking. <laughs> oh yeah, the scene is great. It was wonderful how they kind of sparred into the American this versus whatever. But I'm just like, 
Jess, you got no one to quit, babe. You're ahead. Just stop. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> what did you say? Sounds like me. I have the same problem. <laughs> See, no, I, I loved this because this was another example of there are so many people in the show who love to just do victim blaming and say like, how did you end up with so many homicidal guys? And she, mm. I love her quote. She says, I have met some terrifying men in my day. If you're trying to scare me, you're gonna have to do better than this. And I was like, yes, queen, thank you. That's what I think I was focused on. But you're right that she did run her mouth just a tiny <laughs> bit too much trying to like one up him and then ended up like screwing herself over in the process yeah like the minute mm -hmm. you bring your emotions into it you say things that yes. give you away and yes. she was cool collected chill and then she got like and then just stuff started coming out and i was like no no stop stop no yeah mm -hmm. and her face just like malcolm's is very neither of these two can hide their emotions at all yes. yeah when her face dropped face, i was like no yes and a good <laughs> profiler would pick up on those micro expressions in yes i'm not a profiler but i've watched enough of right. this and enough to pay attention At this point, and i was like oh geez ainsley is the pr rep she is the only person we put front and center to any investigator because that chick will stone face mm -hmm. the entire interview yep mm -hmm. like straight up I really did like the cool like zoom transition they did too where she calls and says family meeting and the camera goes past her and then yes. it's Malcolm. Yes. Yeah. That was a neat little zoom transition. I enjoyed that, was, that kind of That cool. was a transition mm -hmm. I enjoyed. Shout out too. to production. Y'all rock my socks. Yeah. Yes. And this um, was also the first time that we got to see sort of a sense of Ainsley's motive behind him. Like she says, I was trying to save us, which I don't think she has said exactly why she did it. Was before. she though? Like if you're blacked out, no, you I don't know. really know why you did anything. Ex <laughs> no, exactly. So I just think that it's interesting that this is the first time she's giving her opinion behind it. Whether or not that's true, we can talk for hours about that. But right. I just everything up until this has been, I don't remember it. Yes. So either yep. she's been lying about that, which could be. Yes either the memories gradually started coming back or she knew from the get-go that Malcolm was lying and that's what mm -hmm. led to our big, you know, pig's blood shenanigans. Yeah, and I, I had that written down too. I was like, does this match up with her blackout? Like, we'll that's the find first out. time we Or hear... it could just be her, like, defending herself to her yes. family. Because exactly. she's the youngest yes. sibling and she's got to stand up for herself a little yeah. bit. Yep. You know, even though you murdered a guy, but it's fine. <laughs> um, at 2309, I like that Jess deliberately pointed out in this meeting like look what you're doing to him look what you're doing him and we deliberately yeah. got kind of again like uh okay Ainsley like she wasn't rude she wasn't passive that was just absolute indifference mm -hmm. like it wasn't oh I'm so sorry it wasn't I don't care it was just cool like there was no yeah. other reaction from her so um I kind of like or the fact that she was more interested in the fact that there was a thumb in the freezer. Like she's like, wait, really? Let's yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. Instead of the absolute franticness of everyone else in the room, you know? Um, so I really do feel like they're steering it in the like daddy's little girl direction for sure. They're like that. Maybe mm -hmm. there is some sociopathy. I don't know, but they're, I feel like they're deliberately having Halston be very like anti-emotional, like non-emotional a lot in some of these scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, at okay 2354 the scene between simon and martin and then also capshaw like can we put any more personality into one room oh boy like all we need is the dude that goes spill out of wine like mm -hmm. th that's all we need to add to have just the most personality 
and it like i just put legends unite that's what i put for this scene because like all three of them were amazing we have the other uh list of let's see we also have the brain puzzler Yes. My favorite part of this whole insult was when he does the made for TV movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, listen, it wasn't like he was on the big screen. Calm down, dude. It was on Lifetime. Yes. He also says brain fart. Brain brain fart. That was my favorite. <laughs> Mind pupser, which yes. I also enjoyed that as well. Um, and he, he, you know, just deliberately getting under Simon's skin. Everything he could possibly do, like schoolboy taunting him in mm -hmm. the playground. Um. And I, I really, at that point, was unsure, like, are they going to have him go after Simon and just stab, stab? Like, that, it was a moment where I was not confident that he was going to get stopped and something wasn't going to happen. Mm. I'm honestly a little sad. I would have enjoyed that whole storyline. Yeah, I would have huh? liked that. Especially but right then, in front of Capshaw, too. Like, how would Capshaw have reactions to that? But then that puts him in at least solitary for confinement for a long time we can't do yes. that because we need michael so mm -hmm. <laughs> we got we got to threaten and then not actually do because we need martin the character to be around for a while unless mm -hmm. he has another kid sometime and we gotta shush him into the shoe we um, also see him get defensive of capshaw right there too oh yeah yeah like you're, like being, you're rude being rude and like all this yeah like he you can tell that he's definitely got That's... the flirty flirts that mm -hmm. struck a nerve. Now, I'm going to be him. honest. I'm going to be a little annoyed if they bring Jess into this and make her get jealous. Do not oh, do that. No. I really so hope. I really <laughs> hope that too. they just play it like, you can have them, honey. Like, yeah. Yeah, girl. I'm done. <laughs> Good luck with that. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> um, if they do, I'm like, oh, don't make it that petty. She's, she's better than that. Yeah, she's, she's moved so far good. beyond that. She'll just pick a different homicidal maniac to sleep with. God bless her. Um, at twenty seven twenty six, we have our <laughs> Malcolm cooking show. <laughs> with I love that. First of all, he completely breaks the fourth wall, stares straight down camera. Yep. And that's only like the second time he's done it. And the first time, I think it was an accident. On um, it was the episode where he's eating salmon with his. It was it episode one, I think, and they're talking about Estonia. Yes. And he looks up and is like dead down camera for like a millisecond and then just kind of sways. Mm -hmm. This time it's intentional. The camera is meant to be sunshine, AKA us. Um, <laughs> and all of his dialogue in this entire scene is literally, how can we explain what the F he's doing to the audience so we don't look like, like there's no reason for him to be speaking out loud. He's by yeah. himself. He's by himself. This is, the this is like exactly what an inner monologue is like on stage. Like when I teach my students, like Juliet is basically saying all this stuff out loud. She would be thinking it, but it's a play and she has to say it out loud. So, you know, it's exactly what's happening right here. Exactly. All of this has to be said. So it's like, why is he plugging in a thumb? Like, I don't understand <laughs> any of this. <laughs> um, and before we get to the end of that, I believe we have some during stuff. Yes. Or am yeah. I wrong? Yeah. Okay. Um, so you hit the during and I have some after, so you yeah. can do that. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So he obviously we know he takes the thumb because he found a phone and the phone has a fingerprint scanner rather than facial recognition now they say also bold to think that it was that thumb what if it was the other thumb yeah i know yeah. right yeah i don't know how that works but mm. yeah so for it. yeah so <laughs> so they call it a fingerprint scanner but it does not work like a stereotypical scanner um you need 
two components of a fingerprint on these uh, fingerprint scanners on phones in order for it to work. You don't, you can't just replicate a fingerprint physically. You need what he calls the bioelectric current. Um, our bodies give off electric currents on our, on our skin because of our nerves and everything. So the scanner isn't just picking up on the physical pattern of the fingerprint. It's also picking up on the electric conductivity of our of our bodies so he plugs it into this little wire thing which is a tiny little battery to give it a little you know zap so it's not just a dead thumb frozen thumb <laughs> opening a <laughs> phone um but that way you can't just reproduce a fingerprint with silicone or plaster or something and put it up to it like a scanner you know would yeah we're making it real hard for these heist and espionage movies in the future man yeah. Mm -hmm. You can't pull that. So, Let me so you need so, a what few is it, like national treasure. I'll just use a piece of tape and rip this fingerprint off. And nope, doesn't work that way anymore, guys. Sorry about your luck. What I called at 29 minutes, again, the profiler pissing match is exactly what it was. It's like, who's the better profiler? <laughs> Let me measure my, you know what, yeah, and tell you who's bigger at this point. I named um, it Battle Royale. <laughs> thank you. Like, it, it's literally let me out, you know, testosterone you for six seconds. Um, I, Tom and Alan, just amazing together. Like they're going off of each other, the attitudes, the, you know, the snark, I guess is a really good way to put it. Yes. Um, and again, I just wish we had more episodes together where they could be like, you know, weaseling and working their way out of this problem. And Malcolm could be dodging, you know, accusations as we go. It was pretty awesome. I enjoyed it. At 3253, um, they do something amazing with the character Nat in the car that I'm like, I'm such a sucker for it. I don't know if it's because I have a love of villains or whatever, but I absolutely adore the moment that they flip the switch and reveal them true selves. And it's almost always in the eye shift. Yes. Like where they're like innocent, innocent, boom. And they're like, and um, even the first episode of season two, we talked about the guy on the ledge that does that switch and he's like mm -hmm. she did a great like the look into the rearview mirror it was super mm -hmm. creepy the music helped with it um but i'm just i really am such a sucker for that moment and she knocked it they knocked it out of the park my apologies they um yeah did a wonderful job oh yeah um i absolutely loved bloom's score that happens while the character nat is pointing um the gun at him in the car Mm. it's like this super choppy like do, 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 and it's like really it makes you anxious even if you weren't watching anything visually listening to it you would be super on the like edge of your seat anxious and it was a really cool and it had some strings finally I know with COVID being what it is and us not being able to necessarily go to orchestras and go to recording studios and get that stuff in it I don't know if they're electrically produced or if you know he got like four buddies together and put all their parts on a thing but I was just I'm so excited to actually hear strings. It makes me so happy. Acoustic, real. Yes, actual stuff. I can't wait for us in season three because it's happening, manifest. Yes. Um, to get to have like that other big, like where he had the 40 piece orchestra and to, to do some more stuff would be really cool. It was cello, oh, by the way, in case anyone was wondering. It was cello. <laughs> um, props to Capable Bright Alert, and I'm fully aware that yeah. there's no way they let Tom do this. Uh, they won't <laughs> let him jump across the desk, so there's no way they let him scale the fence. But I just wrote, Capable Bright Alert, look at our boy scaling a fence well over double his size. <laughs> <laughs> and like, we know the fandom loves that Capable Bright. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's a kink that we all share. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's a good thing. Um, so shout out to the stunt double that inevitably had to do that probably multiple times over and over. <laughs> um, because much like the overhanded pull up, it's not that easy. Scaling a fence that tall is not, and then you're jumping down. That's it's not the easiest. I know mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a 40 foot building, yeah. but it's still not the easiest of tasks. And in a suit too, like without ripping yeah. any of your clothes, like. And dang. honestly, as a male, the top of that fence is a little sketchy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Your yeah. foot slips the wrong way, you lose your grip. Things mm-hmm. are unpleasant. So props yes. to you. Yeah. Props mm-hmm. to you, stunt guy. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then at the, so at that moment where Malcolm realizes he has a moment of opportunity, she's stuck. The character is stuck, and he can jump the the score is also completely like intense like action sequence filled and all i could think of during this entire rest of this scene with the shooting and all that is how nathaniel bloom in our interview was like oh my favorite part is that i get to score these action and intense sequences and those are my favorite to score and i'm like this must have just been like birthday christmas meets hanukkah <laughs> meets, like best day ever like he's just sitting in his room scoring crap all happy and excited because it was like all the three things that he talked about were his favorite parts of Prodigal Son. I was like, no, no. I have serious questions at 3416. How does Simon just have access to this yacht? Yeah, this is a crime True. scene. True. Like, it's a crime True. scene. Even if it was past crime scene status, ain't his yacht. It's like, not your boat. Yeah. And weren't they, it was a transatlantic, weren't they headed back somewhere else? Yeah. Like I, I'm, And not only that, he just helps his ass all the way to the bar. To a martini. Yeah. Make the top shelf martini too. Don't mind he me. Loves his like, martinis. I'm so confused. I uh, I did not notice this in my first watch through. Like I when we were watching it live, but I noticed it when I was rewatching it. When Malcolm runs in here into this bar area, did you guys notice the way he jerks the scarf off of his neck? So he had a scarf. Clearly this was filmed in like actual cold weather because you yeah. can see his breath a lot when he's outside and yeah. stuff. Um, so he comes in and he had like a black scarf like up around his neck. You have to go back and rewatch this. The minute he gets in the door, he's like, <laughs> and just like throws it. He throws it off to the side. We have to get out of here. Like, but he just jerks. I probably just made myself all red because I slapped my own neck. I'm like, what is the point of doing that? Oh, it was so <laughs> funny. So like he couldn't get it off and he's like jerking and like is angry. <laughs> and I just I laughed really hard at this like one second moment of the scene. I legit just smacked myself. Oh no. Oh, <laughs> um, I also wrote this whole scene is major disheveled hair alert. Thank you, yes, Tom Sayer. Yeah. We appreciate yes. your hard work. AKA, we saw that in the sex dungeon. It is exactly yes. the way it yeah. looked. I am a big episode. fan of the dish. I'll be honest, like, I'm a bigger fan of season one hair from yes. Malcolm. I guess yes. this is probably Tom's preference, and good for you. It's your hair. Do what you want to do, man. It's all good. Yeah. Um, but it gave me a little bit of like first season vibes where it like gets in front of his face a little bit. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yay, let's do that more. I absolutely adore the phrase, I can't die in Brooklyn. I want a t shirt made with this phrase on it. Well, even more than that, I loved his phrase, we were going to be killed by a millennial. What a twist. <laughs> like, and then he has the other line where he's like, follow me. And he's like, obviously. Like, yes, all yes. Of these snarky little remarks. Yes. Are the like, I'm so British, good. I don't have a gun. Like, so good. All of them. But just, I, I really want a t shirt with I can't die in Brooklyn. And then I want to wear it the next time we're in New York. <laughs> all right. <laughs> be like, get on all right. Nobody shoot me in Brooklyn. <laughs> we will get on it for July. 
Also, yes, I have that on my list of things that I need for stickers. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. Totally absolutely. Both of those for sure. Yes. I also love, I don't know if people noticed so this. Tom did like this adorable little growl when he tells Simon to stay down. Oh. So like Simon is already, you know, his cashmere has been sacrificed in the name of his bleeding leg. Um, and he does this, and I'm not going to do it because my voice is already crappy and I'm afraid oh, please I don't. do it. I Caroline's like, I will jump through this. I will be severely you. screwed for the rest of this podcast because I'll start squeaking. But you'll have to go back and watch when he says stay down, like the down is like a barrel, like, and he does. And I was like, ha, ah, get him. Oh, but also the, uh, don't you have a gun? And he's like, don't you? Don't you? <laughs> no, I'm British. Yeah, and then guns? I'm British answers the question. Like, yeah. of course, I'm, I, I'm British. I don't oh have a gun. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. So I had a tiny, tiny little annoyance. As much as I loved our guest star, amazing. You don't shoot a gun by going, <laughs> like, jerking your arms. <laughs> so in this scene where Natalie meets Malcolm, and they, like, eye each other, and Malcolm turns, like, in, back in the bar, literally three times, Nat shoots the gun and does this like every time she shoots and i'm just like okay you don't do like the star wars pew pew like every time you, you shoot it again i'm not judging you did a great job i'm not in any way being degraded it was like little kids playing cops and robbers outside or something like like gotcha rah. <laughs> oh god we got her I love Carol. Sorry, Carol. This is the Star Wars reference. Go, there you go. For those of you not watching the actual video, that was Caroline just completely dying over there. <sighs> Continue. Yeah. Um, I'm good. I also want to shout out at this point, there was a lot of like, is this the never ending ammo trope during this scene? <laughs> like a lot of people. It's not. So I counted, Nat shoots 14 <laughs> times and the average clip is 15. Ooh. So it's not outrageous. It feels like 150 during oh, the yeah. scene for whatever reason. But I went back and counted it and it's legit. So like your average clip for a Glock handgun, like the police issue version, which I know is not what she would have, but um, it's 15. So yeah. it's, it's legit. It's dead Good on. job, it Angie. Feels, it feels excessive, but it's Good legit. job. There's that, there's that under. I know nothing work. if not weapons based on the immense amount of shenanigans I've researched in my life. Yep, I was going to say that's your under stuff. Yep. Yeah, absolutely it is. I'll just feel <laughs> strip a weapon. Mm -hmm. I also really enjoyed in this whole section from the time that Malcolm is on the boat to the time that we, you know, RIP Nat. Um, they, they use like the marina lights multiple times in scenes to like both backlight a character, but also do that thing where they deliberately shine the light right into the camera. And it creates like the sunburst effect on the camera where like the lines streak across and everything. And they do it really deliberately. And it's done in really gorgeous moments, like where Nat is just scouring the deck for Malcolm and silhouetted and like the sunburst thing hits on the camera and it's really cool and they do it once for Malcolm also um just a gorgeous use of probably what were their set lights like out there trying to light the outside and they're like well they're here they're in the way let's use them and then it looks like something really artistic and it was really beautiful if you screenshot it it's really a gorgeous shot yeah at 3623 Malcolm full-on like football tackles Nat off the side of this boat <laughs> And I have some things to say. <laughs> so, okay. 
so I'm very, I, I'm just going to read. I don't normally read my script, but I want to make sure I hit everything. Um, so I said, I was really interested in the fact that he just threw his shoulder, knowing full well that this was going to send her off the side of the boat. Like nothing about this yeah. was going to keep her from flipping over the rail. So I fully respect the fact that she was actively trying to shoot him. So I'm not saying you can't defend yourself. I get that. It's totally fine. But he does something that he knows could very well end in her death. Now it is like a fight or flight situation. That's fine. And then immediately flips and is trying to grab her as soon as it happens. Mm -hmm. So that's like, well, you made a choice, dude. Like, are you okay with her falling? Are you not? And it's all in the, the heat of the moment. But I'm really interested in the afterwards. If you look, he's like really desperate for her to grab his hand. Yeah. Whether that's like remorse for what he's done or whatever. I think it's deliberately done that way because we want to make sure that the viewer knows that he didn't try to kill her to clean up the Endicott nonsense because we've already mentioned it yeah. before. Like if she was gone, wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. So we have to make him like beg her because otherwise the hero loses his, you know, good guy status a little bit there. If he just, you know, shoves a chick off the side of a boat. Um, I, I, appre I just, I appreciated that. I thought it was cool that like he made that decision in the heat of the moment. Like she's about to shoot me. I need to get her out of here. And yeah. then also like, oh shit. And like immediately tries to get her back up. Yeah. Um, I think it 100 just plays into Go ahead. No, I think it just plays into the juxtaposition of his character. I mean, we saw that in the episode where he like, hurt his schoolmate and then suddenly had remorse for it it's just it's malcolm yeah a little i get it like i can't say i wouldn't have done that if somebody's shooting at me and it's you yeah. and me overboard sis farewell exactly to you mm -hmm. um but i think because of the fact that we've already mentioned her death would be a cleanup that we can't let him do that like yeah. we have to redeem him before she would die to make sure we know that there wasn't like an intentional exactly I'm also calling 100% bullshit on her hanging on to that rope with that grip. <laughs> no. It's television, man. I, I get it. Like, I just, mm -hmm. I'm so over, like, the, I'm hanging on a ledge by my fingertips with my full body weight for a nine-minute monologue. No, you're not. Like, this is not how it works. Like, and she has, like, this really weird, like, bent wrist yeah. on swinging, you know, the gun. Like, no, you would be gone. Yeah, my, my OT co-workers would be very hard <laughs> <laughs> would have dislocated and you would have lost grip anyway. Like yeah. that's mm -hmm. it ain't gonna happen. Anyway, it's, it's okay. Ass, it. man. Um mm -hmm. I'd like to maybe, and you can either agree or disagree, whatever you think. I think this might be most gruesome death on camera. Yeah. Most gruesome death has it Active actively death. happened? Actively yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah. like because I agree I, with that. For me honestly for me if we're gonna say off camera i'm still giving it to freaking jerry's jawbone i can't i cannot handle yes. the freaking jawbone sticking out of the okay. side yeah, of the space we didn't see that actively happening we heard it right so i i deliberately it. put on camera like yeah. but that, i mean that was because yeah, we've yeah, seen some other like pretty gruesome stuff but happening actively yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and yeah. i appreciated that i'm we know me i like wump a little bit but i did appreciate that a it was like shut up <laughs> I, had it, to, Jeff. I had to, I had to. <laughs> um, I I kind of appreciated that they they made it like authentically. She did like you don't die immediately. Like oh it takes yeah, a second. I was gonna say that. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah. Your body's still in control. Like it takes a second, just like when you're beheaded. It's a couple seconds before mm -hmm. your, your brain shuts down. So yeah. I like that it was like oh my god, oh my god, and then boom, like you're yeah, exactly. We're done. Yeah. 
Yeah, when she was dangling there and they, you know, had the camera angle with her looking down below her, I went, oh no, oh no, they're gonna, oh, they're, oh, they're gonna do that. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. They went there. Glad they did. Go for it. Be gruesome. Yeah. We love you guys. I also Get it. thought in the first time when, like, I watched it live, I thought that her, like, she falls dead and her eyes closed and I was like, no, no one dies like that. But I, when I rewatched, like, her eyes are still open. Like, thank you. Could you imagine though? I mean, not that I want to go to a dark place, but could you imagine just like looking down and being like, well, that sucks. And then game over. Like, I mean, yeah. Of, that's really rough. That's totally me. Yeah. Hopefully I don't go that way. You know, peaceful in my sleep. I'm good with that. I'll take that one. <laughs> um, at 3710, we are informed by Gil that, okay, they're basically using Nat as the scapegoat in terms of writers. Um, I have some mixed feelings about that, but I want to hit some other things before I go into my mixed feelings. I want to hit the actual scene first and then we can come back and discuss because I think Carol and I are on a similar page here. Um, First of all, I really liked how subtle, pardon me, how subtle Tom played the reaction to that because in Malcolm's head, he's like, oh my God, yes. Like he's really excited that this has worked out this way because I don't think he thought it would go that way. I don't think he thought they would go, oh, that must've been the person that killed Endicott. I think he's expecting he's still dealing with Simon and there's still a whole thing. And so he does this very little like, and then that's it. That's the only reaction because he has to play it cool, right? Like poker face as much as he can. Real surprise. Yeah. And so I really enjoyed like the subtlety of the like, oh no, did this really happen? Okay. Like we'll take it. It's fine. I absolutely adore how Malcolm plays Simon in this scene like an absolute fiddle. He throws flattery, praise, some well-placed comments, and he is eating out of his hand. No, this was all your idea, man. Don't come at me. I love, love the Sherlock Holmes reference there. But like, I'm the Lestrade. I was like, for those of you that don't know, English major nerd moment. Um, Lestrade is the Scotland Yard investigator, or not investigator. um, Oh, shoot. I lost the word. Inspector. Sorry, inspector. Um, that very frequently in some of the stories by Conan Doyle, um, like calls him in. So he's literally the Gill to Simon's yep. Malcolm, yep. essentially, yep. if you will. Yep. Um, and so by doing so, by calling him that, by saying, "No, I'm Lestrade. You're you're surely Sherlock Holmes." Like he lowers himself. That you're the genius. I'm the one mm-hmm. that needed your help. And it just yep. plays into that ego. It was gorgeous, and I love that reference. So Zuckerman, you rock. Mm-hmm. It made me very happy. I was like, I know, that one. I know who that is. I never read any of those novels, but I've seen the BBC show. So I, Which, I got the um, reference too. Amazing. More than me. Yes, exactly. Amazing Beautiful show. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just that whole scene, I really enjoyed how he really like twisted it. This was your idea. Look, you got another bestseller. I can help you out with the interview stuff, blah, blah, blah. And that seems to, at least for now, solidify the Endicott stories kind of completion in terms of active investigation. We know that it's always going to be there hanging and maybe it will come into play later. Um, So my thoughts, I don't know how I feel that it's wrapped up this quickly. Again, some of it is because I expected that to be a season arc and whatever, that's on me. I placed that expectation. That's on nobody else. Um, I'm intrigued that there's a bigger event in place for the last five episodes Um, I mean, it seems as though maybe the escape is at least the catalyst of that, if not the big event coming up in terms of Martin. Um, Still, still sad that we wrapped up. I I mean, I really pictured Simon Hoxley being like the baddie, if you will, 
for the rest of the season, like our big, you know, antagonist, um, mm-hmm. you know, whatever I was wrong. It's my fault. I said expectations. Uh-huh. They were incorrect. It's fine. Hey, hey, you're not um, I am absolutely convinced that the cover up is going to come back to bite them. Yes. I absolutely, here's my prediction. I look for them to get us nice and cozy with Brightwell and give all our hopes and dreams. And then they're going to shoot us down when Danny finds out. That's my guess. Because we cannot have happy couples because that doesn't sell you ratings. Um, so I look, or Gil, <laughs> one of the two, I think is going to discover the truth. And I think that could very well be a season two cliffhanger moment where we let that go. Like maybe the Martin stuff is wrapped and then the finale is like, oh, this is coming back to you now. We've all forgotten about it in five episodes and now it's a problem. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Carol, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I just, I don't like the idea that everybody was suddenly saying like that Natalie was the the so-called head of the snake and then you know of course Hoxley is like oh so that's the the Ouroboros kind of thing whatever I was just like no I don't think you understand the point of this (laughs) it's just this is not this is not the end of that cover-up like you said this is just it's it's going to come back to bite them you know this is you know maybe this is the whole Ouroboros effect this is just an internal struggle and it's going to just come around mm-hmm. when they least I mean, expect it. that is kind it. of genius if you think about it. Like, it's not about that case. It's about the yes. fact that we're about yes. to come full circle later with the Whitleys. Yeah. That's that's what I was sort of interpreting the title of the show to be referencing is it's more, it's more than just the episode. It's about the whole show is how I would describe it. And I don't know. It just, yeah. it was interesting. But again, I'm just going to let the writers the writers know where this is going they are teasing the hell out of us with all this behind the scenes stuff for the finale i'm very curious i'm just gonna let it ride out wherever it's gonna go yeah i'm gonna let them i'm gonna let them do their thing yeah Yeah. like i said like i said in our episode for the first episode of season two like people started freaking out immediately about storylines and Malcolm being manic and blah, 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 and jumping time. And I was like, look, these writers have not let us down. They did amazing things with, uh, you know, last season minus two episodes on a whim. And Mm -hmm. they took us, you know, they still carried us through the story. So I'm gonna, yes, obviously. It's like, I'm not a script writer. I'm gonna trust the script writers who have been hired to script write. Yeah. write mm-hmm. scripts <laughs> yeah. like like yes we are the viewers we are allowed to have our own p- opinions and you know our own expectations of where things go but at the same time we have to trust our writers to take us where the story is supposed to go yeah not let us down so mm-hmm. i would just be very interested now that you've brought it up angie and just figuring out who was the first one between i think it's down to like either gil or danny to find out because as we know like yeah. gil is doesn't want to but is still entwining himself with Jessica and Danny is just like at this point like plowing through everything (laughs) getting close to Malcolm (laughs) which I am not opposed to (laughs) at all Um, (laughs) so I just think it's going to be interesting to see who finds out first because Gil has actually a lot more of like a morally like a morally questionable code than we realize I mean in the last season he was essentially going to let Malcolm get away with being accused of murder like telling him to like pack up and get out of here but we know that Danny is very steadfast with her morals yep. so this will kind of be a turning point in figuring out you know how how far is Gil willing to go and more than that like 
does Danny have any like excuses or something or does she not I'm very curious to see how this and um someone on Twitter god I'm horrible with keeping up with notifications between the two accounts I'm on all day long (laughs) um mentioned like based on some fanfic do we think that Malcolm would shoot Ainsley yeah Danny I forget so apparently there's some fic I need to investigate like that sounds very interesting of this um yeah yeah it was, so it was this I'm, afternoon I'm on our on the podcast account yeah um, so i'm i'm yeah. interested in i personally don't think he would do that i think he would take a bullet if ainsley was coming for danny yeah i um, think he would sacrifice oh, yeah. himself <laughs> yeah and leave both of them unharmed personally yeah, i don't know if absolutely. that would even come to that mm-hmm. i really appreciated the fact yeah. that we just blatantly threw ainsley in front of simon practically gloating how does it feel to have found the killer just yes like that line. i mean my god like and she's glowing like she has full martin and not even oh the- what's it like and just oh yeah it's amazing and i i appreciate the language they use there because not even the killer it was the woman who killed nicholas endicott so it's even more specific not sense. just I was like, <laughs> yeah you can yes. draw so many parallels between Ainsley's interview with Martin versus the technically reverse interview between the profiler and the killer. I mean, this just, I was just thinking there's so many parallels here. And then Martin's face being unintentionally paused on Malcolm's TV because in season one, because Jessica threw a shoe at him. And then I was waiting for it to happen again. Yeah, exactly. And then Malcolm pausing Ainsley's face like two killers paused on Malcolm's TV. I'm just like, oh, I love But of course, Ainsley is paused at like a a aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, and like a gloating moment. Yeah. And I think that just goes to reinforce gender roles between men and women and all of this, you know, like, oh, Ainsley's so innocent. Martin is such a dirty scumbag. Like, both have killed someone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Our final scene before we close the episode is um, at 40 minutes and 50 seconds in Martin's cell. Again, I am suspending, I'm suspending my disbelief because I call, I call complete bullshit that he didn't hear the door. The door that in every episode sounds like a castle Makes gate. Makes obnoxious noise. Being open. I'm sorry I about made you spit. I did not mean to do that when you took a drink. <laughs> I have great bolus control from those good, nicely done. But like literally, like this door in every episode is like gong, gong. Like this is the loudest. And he wakes up because he missed the door, but here's the high heels. Yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna just go ahead and say that she just like I don't know, like vaporized herself through the door. Just she's like clearly <laughs> she appears out of nowhere and can yeah, walk through walls. She or just something. like keeps appearing out of nowhere. I mean, in in her defense, and this is another moment, high heels are technically a high pitched noise, and high pitched noises, especially as you get older, are harder for people to hear, but still, I whatever. Right, but then why did that wake him up and not the door? And not the door. I don't know his dream about for I don't know the logic yeah the logic there is little Um, pieces of logic so (laughs) the score for this scene is really cool Mm. especially post kiss yeah Um, yeah I wrote about that I just wrote Angie (laughs) (laughs) thank you I appreciate it perfect um okay so again I told you I'm a huge sucker for strings I think they make a score feel like epic in scale Mm-hmm. Um, because you can have like the piano and all the electronic stuff added in, but the minute you add strings to it, it feels just huge. It feels really big. And then don't even get me started if you throw a chorus in the background doing some crazy stuff too. I can't even handle that. 
Um, but so you have like these strings playing in this and it's kind of like peppy during the moment where you're not sure if he's going to hand her the scissors or stab her with the scissors. Mm -hmm. They of course get all creepy, you know, like da -dum, da -dum. Um, but then once they kiss, I'm almost positive again, this is the first time that's happened. Conga drums. Not kidding. Oh. Like a little oh, I'm gonna like, have to go back and listen to that. Like, and I don't know if this is supposed to be like inside Martin's head, like, oh yeah. <laughs> like, yes. I don't even know. Yes. But like the tall, like orchestra conga drums are involved with the strings and everything else. And I was like, he's like, I don't know. He's like ready to go. <laughs> so happy. And like it made me laugh. And then of course, you know, he like Michael Sheen's all like heavy breathing and like beats still my oh heart. Oh my god. And, all of this yes love it like caro says you're gross yeah. <laughs> you're nasty i was just I, I don't know why but the drums just stood out i immediately went what the hell and then i was like are those conch? i need to listen to that again it's such a primal man symbol for him it's just like you gross yeah, I, I don't know yeah. but it fit but really great scum. with the scene i enjoyed it and it was very oh, different yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, so you know, it, it goes back, we could talk for hours, like who's being played, who's the player, mm -hmm. like there's so mm -hmm. much in the dynamic there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when we, we saw a quick glimpse of this kiss in previous promo footage. Yeah, um, well so, edited, like we had no idea yeah, who was initiating. We, that's what I was just yeah. about to say too, we oh, had no bad. idea. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we we just saw the kiss as it was, but really quick. So that all threw us into a tizzy. Uh, so mm -hmm. we had no clue who started it. And then we come to find out that like, it looks like Martin started it. But at the same time, I rewatched that scene a few times because I was paying attention to their expressions and, and whatnot and the, you know, the body language. And I was like, but he gave her the scissors and she grabbed them and then she put her hand back on his oh, and yeah. I was like, oh I think God. she started it so yeah. she the started it but she, open for yeah. sure <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. she started it but she let it go where you know wherever Martin yeah like she gave him the okay to lean in and like she was like okay come on it's yeah, all good. Bring it but in. that's Bring another in, reminder that she has control in all of these interactions with Martin, even if it looks she like she doesn't. I really hope that right continues because I don't think Martin has been dominated yes. by a yes. female. Yes, we go for we, it. That go mm -hmm. have a little taste yes. of submission. Yes. As much as it creeps me out that they're doing anything. Yeah. yeah at least let it be a little miserable for him. Yes. That's all I can ask. I mean, she even like starts to show that dynamic when she says like good boy good to him boy. when he gives her back the scissors like and he is disgustingly i guess turned on by it which i was like yes <laughs> clearly yeah. he was like wait yep. yeah yeah <laughs> right Definitely. so that's it for episode stuff but we do have our weekly fan profile in shout out form this yes. week um and I still am not 100% on the pronunciation i'm gonna do my best okay so we are shouting out i think it's canarick because there was a discussion about it was similar to Canary. So I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go sure. with that. Can for short, thank God I was given that permission because I don't want to have to keep bombing this poor name. Um, Canaric 13, um, my Lord, does she deserve the accolades and the praises? Yes, like hands, ah, mm -hmm. like. Um, so if you've been living under a fandom rock and you're in our fandom and you have not seen some of these things, um, she's primarily a gift set creator, yeah. but the biggest thing she does 
is give us the lighting we deserve. Yeah. Um, like <laughs> whatever true. methods and stuff that she uses on her program, it's gorgeous. Um, and we have some gifts that we're gonna be playing over this, specifically some where she shows like the original on one half of it versus the, the what she did. Ooh, I haven't seen those yet. Ooh, I'm missing out. Um, I've shared them on Tumblr. I'll have to tag Tumblr. You. I'll have to check um, more on Tumblr. I've seen like, them on it's Twitter. It's really cool. There's like a slash along the middle and the top is like the dark original versus what, what she does. And it's so amazing. Really, really cool. So um, I, I, my blog on Tumblr is simply a reblog dedicated <laughs> to her now. Cause all I do is go reblog, reblog, like over and over and over. Yeah, this morning um, you, you were like, yeah, uh, uh, my, my Tumblr is now a shrine to our latest shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it's just, I, I I don't exist there anymore. It's just all for her stuff. <laughs> and to be like the little hype man in the back. I'm, I'm Flava Flav. Like I'm just hyping her up in the background. Um, I really adore it. So we have some answers on our fan profile. Like, what do you want to see in the future? What's your favorite part of the show? Blah, blah, blah. And so her answer for what do you want to see in the future was a non-dream Malcolm and Danny kiss. Yes. <laughs> Same. Same. I felt that. I felt that deep in my bones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so please, please check her workout um, on both Twitter and Tumblr. It's at Caneric13. I'm going to spell it for you just in case. Good. K-A-N-A-R-E-K and then the numbers one, three. Check her out well worth it yeah. sooner as you're done watching this go check her out she's awesome she's been blessing us with old content of baby tom from yeah, every yeah. possible thing yeah. he's been in. like even stuff that i hadn't seen like any reference to i'm like yeah what because so she's my, international my she has some access to yes. like international blu-rays yes. and dvds that we don't have in the states sure. Mm -hmm. So, um, has been making like lots of gifts of like behind the scenes footage and practice fighting for this and whatever. And I mean, it's really cool to see some of that stuff from like right. mind gamers and inheritance and, you know, all those old shows that, um, you know, we don't always have the best access to in the States. So it's really nice. So check out those sites, check out her pages. They're amazing. Um, and the only thing I have left to say is Malcolm gets hit by a car in the preview. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, My lovely no. self was like, yes, because why? Because he gets hit in front of Danny. Yeah. yeah. Please go to a hospital. Yeah. yeah, we didn't get that on the American promo, but right after yeah, we were gypped. the East God Coast God bless Twitter premieres. and our international friends hooking yeah. us up. Yes, thank you, Canada. Yeah, thank you, Canada. Thank you, Canada. Canadian friends started screaming about yes. Martin, uh, Martin. And the rest sorry, of us went, it's Malcolm. the same preview we saw yesterday. Why are you freaking out? <laughs> it's like when we live in the States. <laughs> yes. So um, yeah. that's very, I'm, I'm very yeah. excited about it. We'll see what happens. My Maybe. only hope is that A, he actually goes to the hospital and we get some aftercare. Please. We'll I hope that if not, nope, we'll but... just keep going to fanfic to get it. My other thing is. My other thing is I hope that she screams when he gets hit by a car. <laughs> that's just, that's my living, little lumpy okay. thing. <laughs> I am living for him because it looks like he like rolls off the back of it, right? Yeah. I'm mm -hmm. living for the moment where she drops to her knees, grabs his head and is like, bright? Yeah. I'm, just, I'm, I'm oh. No, not even bright, but like Malcolm again? Because she oh hasn't, God. I don't oh think she God. said it since. Yeah. She yeah. needs to say Malcolm. Sure. She needs to freak out and say Malcolm, please. Yep. Maybe maybe this will be our non-dream Brightwell kiss. You'll have to give them CPR. Oh, please. That's how they'll feed us that BS. This is CPR. <laughs> Next week's episode is going to be very interesting on this yeah. podcast, guys. 
Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. And you know what? We I'm, I don't know if they're going straight through or if we are going to have a break week because we're technically seven weeks until the end of May. I don't know how they're going to work that or not. We're have one but somewhere. either way, we finally are getting like consecutive <laughs> weeks of stuff. So, uh, yay! It's been too long. It has. It's, it's been like, too long. I needed it's like this. Water to a person that just trudged across the desert. Let's go. Oh man! And then it's going to end on my birthday, and I'm not going to be happy. Oh. We'll get drunk. So are, are we'll, we we'll get drunk for that hiatus one. End on the twenty first. Is that what we're voting for? We'll we'll get drunk for that one. I, yeah. don't, have, I don't have the mental capacity for this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps it up, guys. We're back. We're here. Yeah. We back, are baby. Back? We are. Until they tell us they're done for the season. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Speaking of, keep using the renew prodigal son hashtag yes. out there. We need Please. To out. We've that. got renew videos out there from testimonials from people that we can be tweeting and retweeting mm-hmm. and um, Warner Brothers TV and Fox TV and your yes. app. Both of them. Adam, Fox. Them. Let's go. Grassroots yep. it. We got to get it done for our people. So mm-hmm. have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.